Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. I trust you've been watching over the last couple weeks I've had on the program with me a special guest. My pastor is on the program today and uh, she has written a brand new book titled Unblemished and you can uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that where you can get it and we're going to be talking about that book. But this is my pastor, Pastor Lisa Unger. She's the senior pastor of Word of Deliverance in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. And if you are within driving distance, you owe it to yourself to come by on a Sunday and listen to her. She's also my younger sister, and it's great to have you on the program. It's great to be here today. Thank you. She also has a podcast that you can listen to on, I'll let her tell you what is the website again. WODchurch.com. It's Word of Deliverance Church, so it's WODchurch.com. And if you go to our website, all of our podcasts are there. You can listen to some of her sermons and messages that she preaches on a weekly basis here. God's doing great things in Berkeley Springs, and under her leadership, our church has really grown. We live in a very small community, so uh, we're just blessed. We, we enjoy living in the country. But it's great to have her on the program. And if you've missed any of these, we've been talking about this for two weeks now. But if you missed them, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch them at your leisure. Everything that we've aired to date, everything is archived there on our YouTube channel. And you can also uh, listen to the audio portions of these programs. They are also archived. They are available on iTunes, and they are also available as an RSS feed on Android. The easiest way to do that and the simplest way is simply to go to my website at lynnhouse.com at the information is on this lower part of the screen and there is little icons that are in the upper right hand corner. You'll see the YouTube thing, the little iTunes insignia and the little robot that's Android. Just click those, they will take you directly to that feed and you won't have to go through a whole lot of searching. That's the easiest way to do it. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about again that the gospel of the kingdom or the new covenant according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is a government of affirmation. The old covenant is a government of condemnation. The old covenant points out your faults. The new covenant points out the remedy. Uh, when, we, uh, when Lisa wrote this book uh, such a powerful book. She takes it from this text in Leviticus where it says, for what so, this is Leviticus 21 uh, verse number 17 says, speak unto Aaron saying, whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that has any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For what so man he, be, man he be that has a blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man, a lame, or he that has a flat nose, or anything superfluous, or a man that is broken-footed, or broken-handed, or crook-backed, or a dwarf, or he that hath a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both the most holy and the holy things. Only he shall not go in under the veil, nor come nigh unto the altar because he has a blemish, that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. 
under the old covenant, all of these things that would disqualify you. And I can remember years ago, Lisa, I used to preach this when I was a legalist. <laughs> I mean, I could preach this thing. If you've got a flat nose, it's because you've got a nose problem. You're disqualified, or your discerner's not good, or if you've got, you know, uh, if you're a lame man, you, you, you ain't walking this out, you ain't holy enough, you're disqualified. If you've got a running source because you've got a grudge against somebody, and you're disqualified. But the whole time that you go down through this list, and I would preach them to disqualify people. I'm thinking to myself, I'm disqualified myself, because somewhere in this list you will always find you're yourself. Find yourself. You, you'll find yourself, because there's times when you're the crookback, you're facing the realm of the earth. There's times when you're not walking, when you've got, you've got a broken foot, or you've got a withered hand, or, or you've got you know, something that you're not seeing clearly, you're blind at eye. But what's so powerful about this book is unblemished, is this book takes every one of these things that was disqualified in Leviticus 21. And when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Covenant, He heals and searches out every single one of these. On that list. That, were, that was on this list. He finds a blind, blind man. He finds the woman bowed to the earth. We talked about her last week. Uh, he finds, you know, uh, the, the dwarf we talked about, Zacchaeus, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And uh, everything, you know, the blinded man, you talked about that last week a little bit, that has a blemish in his eye. And how Jesus seeks out, under the old covenant, what was disqualified. Right. Because, you know, the thing of it is, is they were disqualified from the bread of their God. Mm -hmm. But Jesus was the true bread. Right. So the true bread just walked up to him and said, you ain't disqualified anymore, because whatever your problem is, I'm not going to leave you in the problem, I'm going to heal it. And that's so powerful. I'm going to let you pick up with that, because there are several of these that are here that are just so powerful. Every one of them is probably, I think, is a chapter in the book. Right, yeah. And so I'm going to let you talk about that. That's just so powerful that you're, you know, uh, what, what was disqualified. Now has become qualified. Yeah. And so, and, and it is, each one of those are kind of a, a chapter in the book, so it would make, if you want to do like a study guide or do it, you know, in a series, you could do that. But, so we took each one of those and just showed the picture where Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I don't think he's just talking about lost sheep, I think he's talking about what was lost under an old covenant, under what was lost in the garden from yeah. the beginning and what was lost under an old covenant. And so from the very beginning, man has tried his best in a feeble attempt to cover his nakedness. And even to the, the, to the point when uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden, they hid them, they mm -hmm. saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, when God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, he said, well, who told you that? But it's always the um, attempt of the enemy to point out what's wrong with you or to bring your shame mm -hmm. to the forefront. And so people live, I think, a lot of time feeling blemished, broken, and in shame. And instead of running to God, we run from God. Mm -hmm. When, you know, the scripture declares we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And I believe that we have a touchable, tangible high priest. And so um, under this old Levitical order, if you had a blemish, you were disqualified. But Jesus comes along in the New Testament and he gives an invitation to a great feast. And he invites all those who are broken and hurt and maimed. And, uh, you know, he invites them to the great feast. And he also goes one step beyond that and says, now go out into the highways and byways and compel command. And that to me talks about 
to the ends of the earth, mm -hmm. to the Gentile, to the wayfaring stranger, to the person that, he, that, that thought that they're not worthy. He has made a place at the table that you could come because at the table there's healing and there's hope. Mm -hmm. And I believe we're in a generation of understanding that we have a, a touchable high priest. We have a high priest who is approachable, a God who's approachable. And you know, if you had a running sore, if you had an issue of blood mm -hmm. in, under this old covenant, you not only had to separate yourself from people, you had not only had to stay away from people, but if you came anywhere near people or people came near you, you literally would have to cry out and say, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean, don't come close. Because under the old covenant and under the old order, if you were unclean and you touched me, now I have become unclean. And we would have to go through ritual ceremonies to be made clean. Mm -hmm. If you were a leper and had a running sore, you would have to cry out, you know, I'm a leper, I'm unclean. But I love that Jesus, even in that, demonstrates when the woman who has the issue of blood wants to approach Jesus, says she had spent everything she had. She was bankrupt in a system of yep. trying to be made whole yep. and trying to be healed. And she was no farther ahead than when she'd started. And she, you know, came, the scripture said, and when she came into the crowd that day, she thought if I could just sneak in from behind and touch the hem of his garment, because her intent wasn't to corrupt him, it wasn't to make him unclean, and she yep. knew, she didn't know yep. she didn't have a right. But she said, if I could just sneak in and touch the hem of his garment, then perhaps I could be made whole. And so she had nothing to lose. She lunged in that day, and you know she touches the hem of the garment, and Jesus, and she's hoping she can do this unrecognized, maybe get a little healing and go home, you know, without anybody really knowing. Mm -hmm. And Jesus stops the procession and says, "Who touched me?" And I'm sure there's a moment of panic in her because there's a moment where she thinks, oh, I'm going to be exposed. Yeah. I'm going to I be revealed. I just broke the law, really. I just broke the law, yeah. and everybody's going to know. Yeah. Here I am. And as she lays before him, and he says, who touched me? And, and I'm sure the disciples are like, you know, Lord, we've been, we've been blocking for you like linebackers trying to keep the crowd away from you, and you yeah. ask us who touched you. Everybody's desperate to touch you. Yeah. And when, you know, he says, no, somebody touched me because yeah. I felt virtue flow out of me. And when he stops the procession and he looks at her and he pronounces her whole. But what's so powerful about the virtue of his blood is way more powerful than the issues of yeah. our blood. Yeah. And if we ever come to the place where we can put our issues aside, because our issues are oh, what yeah. keeps us from touching it. Yeah. We got issues among churches. We got issues among people. We got issues, you know, in our issues, we fight over issues. And in the meantime, people are bleeding to death. Yeah. They're hurting, they're dying, and they're bleeding to death. But when she reaches out to Jesus, he touches her. And yep. immediately, her issue of blood dries up because the power of his blood is way more powerful than the issue of our blood yep. by virtue of our blood. Yeah, I, I kind of think too with her that the prophet Isaiah said, your righteousness is like a menstrual cloth. Is what one... Filthy rag, yeah, yeah. filthy rag. And so one of the key issues that's keeping her away is she feels disqualified based on the fact that, that uh, I've tried to approach him through a system that bases it on the merit of your own righteousness. Right. When in the New Covenant, it's a gift. Because like you said, under the Old Covenant, you know, if you touch him, he becomes unclean. 
but it actually turns around opposite in the new covenant. Powerful. If you're clean and you touch somebody that's unclean. In other words, the tables are completely turned right. here. And what was disqualified is now qualified again. What was blemished is now not blemished. What was bleeding to death, this situation, like, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. The righteousness issue, that's one of the key issues. There's a lot of issues that separate us right. from touching Him. But one of the reasons is I think sometimes we think we're just disqualified. Yeah. And we find out that when we touch Him, we're not rejected. He's more responsive to it. Go ahead. I... Right, and, and if you are, if this woman who's having an issue of blood, if you are having an issue of blood, there is no room for inter- intimacy. Yeah. There is no room to reproduce. There's no life-giving ability inside of yeah. you. And you literally are bleeding to death. Yeah. And I think what's powerful in this scripture is if you realize where Jesus is trying to get to, he's on his way to the house of Jairus. And there's a little girl there that's about 12 years old Mm -hmm. that's just about ready to start her season of that life, in that life, her cycle or her season. And while it seems as if Jesus is being delayed with this woman who has issues, There's a generation that's dying yep. that Jesus is trying yep. to get to. And what's happened, I think, a lot is, you know, if we look at that woman like the church, and, and if, if our issues keep us from really just focusing on Jesus and getting, you know, touching Jesus and touching the multitude of what Jesus wants, the encounter of the virtue of the power of His blood that's able to touch and heal, while we're dealing with issues, there's a generation that's dying, waiting on a miracle or waiting on the power of God yeah. to manifest. And, you know, but what I love about this is Jesus not, is not only able to reach out and heal and minister to the woman who has her issues, but he's able to also get to the house of Jairus. And, and literally, the servants of Jairus come back and said, you know, don't trouble the master anymore. Your your daughter is, is already gone. Don't trouble the master. And I think we sometimes think we're too much trouble for the master. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so whereas they could have, you know, Jesus could have just not gone, but he goes to them and he not only goes there, but he says she's not dead. She just she's asleep. just asleep. Mm-hmm. And see, we sometimes can pronounce on a generation, we like to look at sometimes, I think, younger generations and think, well, they're lost and, and we'll call them millennials or we'll call them this or call them that, you know, and we pronounce things over them that's not true of them. They may, they're not dead, yeah. but they may not have been awakened to their purpose or their calling or their destiny of what God wants to do. And there's maybe a generation that seems like it's asleep, but I believe what Jesus wants to do is awaken them to what He wants to do in their life. And if we can ever uh, allow the two to come together, you know, then I believe Jesus walks into the house and says, she's not dead, she's asleep. And they laughed Him out of the house and, you know, mocked Him. And He said, put out everybody who's going to laugh. And He brings a couple of the disciples in and He raises her from the dead. And so I think that's powerful. And I love that Jesus cares about the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, our heart and our passion here at Word of Deliverance has always been to the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's not okay for me to just make it into heaven. Yeah. I want my generations that come after be not only to make it, I want them to be more powerful mm-hmm. than what we are. I want them to be able to take the message of the gospel, the grace and the gospel of the kingdom 
and be awakened to their identity yeah. and and who God has called them to be. And I believe there's a generation awakening. Yeah. I believe there's a generation standing up. You know, we had a service here in our church. Uh, our kids said, we want to do a, a, a service. We want to do the service. I said, okay, you want to do it? We want you to do the whole service. I want you to greet. I want you to take the offering. We're gonna, you're going to pray. We had our kids do it. It was powerful. We had a powerful service. Our kids prayed over people. They they led worship. They preached. They took up the offering. They greeted the people at the door. And we say sometimes they're the generation of tomorrow. No, they're not. If you're saying yeah. they're the generation of, of tomorrow, then they're sleeping when they need to be awakened. Yeah. They're, the gen they're as much as a part of the church of today. As we say all the time, there is no little Holy Ghost. Yeah. You know, we were talking before about uh, when when Elizabeth had that quickening, you know, when the sound of the salutation of Mary came together and she said, when I heard the sound of your salutation, my baby leaped. I heard, you know, and it said, and John was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. That's proof to me there's no little Holy Ghost. Yeah. John was filled with the Holy Ghost. But I believe God is a generational God. And I think sometimes if we allow ourselves to look, to stay in a blemish state or think that we're broken or we're not enough or you know, it's an unapproachable God, then we're going to limit the next generation mm -hmm. in what God, you know, because you perpetuate what you preach. Yeah. You perpetuate what you believe. If you see, you know, I, I also work in, you know, the school system and education and stuff like that, and I see generational poverty. I see generational things that, are, that carry on that because we've done it so long this way, we don't think outside that box mm -hmm. and we, you know, we get caught in that trap yeah. of things. Uh, you know, if you think you're poor, you'll be poor. Yeah. If you think you're broken, if you think you're sick, if you know. Um, but I love that God cares about our generations, and it's a mandate on us to touch Him yep. so that the next generation can be awakened. And I think about this scripture, and we've shared some of this before, about the young man, that when Jesus gets ready to feed the, the, the multitude, the five loaves and the mm -hmm. fishes, and uh, he said, well, tell them to sit down, let's feed them. And the disciples said, well, what are we going to feed them with? You know, we, we don't have enough money here to feed them. And he said, but there's a lad here, and he's got five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? And I really believe that's a picture of, of, of a generation that somebody has packed their basket yeah. full of bread and fish so that when they get to the multitude, when they get into the presence of Jesus, you can say, here, this is what I have to offer. And when we can be able to submit to them and teach a generation, you have something to offer. You have the goods. You have bread and fish in your basket. Someone has prepared you to be in the presence of Jesus. And when we can submit what we have, and they can submit that, then Jesus takes what we give to him, and he begins to m distribute that to the nations mm -hmm. of the earth. And I believe there's a generation that's being raised up that's got some bread and fish in their hands yep. that says, we've got the goods. Yep. We know who we are in Christ. We know the power of the gospel and begin to submit what they have. And Jesus begins to take that then and just multiply what they have. And he begins to feed a multitude of people because somebody, you know, somebody's mama packed that boy's lunch probably that day and said, said son, you're going to be in the presence of greatness today. I don't want there to be any reason for you to have to leave and come back home. Yep. You stay and you hear what that great man has to say. When Jesus begins to malt and he begins to divide it, he begins to give it to the multitude. What a young lad brought. Yeah, he was the key to the next move of God, was that young lad. Absolutely. And just, you know, 
And not only that, but like you said, the generation before him, we probably had a mother somewhere or somebody that was, you know, where we need both both the new generation and the wisdom of the older generation. One of the things I'm really seeing as I've gotten older is that we've got a get or done bunch of young preachers coming on the scene, both men and women. And they're, they're zealous and they've got some stuff packed, but they also need some some seasoned people in their lives as well to, you know, to kind of, you know, one of the things Jesus did even was he, he began to distribute to the apostles. So it became what sustained those apostles, even when they got in a storm later on. And, uh, you know, of course, what our, one of our big focuses here at Word of Deliverance is our youth camps. Mm-hmm. One of the most effective things probably we've ever done is what we've done with young people and trying to reach the next generation and empowering right. them. and. And uh, just Ben, it really speaks to me that uh, you know uh, that he would say to her, "Arise, it's time to wake up a generation." Yes. And I could just kind of see when you were talking about you know the the guys that were uh, you know around Jesus when the press was there, almost being like linebackers breaking yeah. them off. And I thought, man, that kind of speaks to me of how sometimes you know religious ideas and concepts have re- literally tried to keep people away from Jesus. Yes. Keep them disqualified rather than qualified in approaching him. Right, but if which you, you know could kind of lead into you probably t- talk a little bit. I don't. We we probably a little bit more time, but you talk about the man with the withered hand because that's really speaking of fivefold ministry. Absolutely. And under Leviticus, that that hand was. But I believe God wants to do something to change ministry. Yes. Go ahead yes. and talk about it a little bit. If he, you want, if one you, of the things, if you had a withered hand or if you had a crippled hand, you were disqualified. Mm-hmm. You know, under that covenant. And, but Jesus comes along and he finds the man with the withered hand. His mm-hmm. hand has been withdrawn. And what happens, what, what causes a hand to be withered is an atrophy mm-hmm. or a cut off supply of blood or uh, something that's been cut off to that hand. But I believe what Jesus was about to establish and to restore was, you know, a fivefold ministry mm-hmm. type thing, which we've always kind of referred to the hand as, you know, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Um, and I believe God wants, you, you know, to restore a ministry, you know, and to uh, what's been cut off, what's been limited, yep. even in, you know, uh, I'm done with limitations, yep. especially in ministry. Yep. You know, I want to see the effectiveness yep. of the gospel and the effectiveness yep. of the ministry. You know, and, and the scripture says that we can lift one hand without wrath and one hand without doubt. And when you do that, that's a posture of worship. Yeah. You begin to lift your hands, not in wrath and not in doubt, and in a posture of worship to say, God, restore to the fivefold ministry, make us able ministers of the gospel, that we're no longer uh, deficient in our outreach to people, no. or that we don't pick and choose who gets your grace or who gets your yeah. gospel. You know, when I think about the story of Uzzah, when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant, remember back to, uh, uh, they were bringing it back, and the Ark of the Covenant, uh, when it started to stumble, and Uzzah put his hand to the Ark to steady it, mm-hmm. and God smote him dead. You know, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me on that and said, sometimes, you know, especially like when we look at this grace message, you know, and it seems like sometimes it can get out of balance, and we're trying to decide, do we balance it or not balance it, you know, and and it looks like sometimes it gets a little bit out of control. And what our tendency is then as man is to put our hand to it and determine where it goes and guide it and try to steady it. And when we put our hand to it, it generally always brings death. Because what I felt like the Lord spoke to me is said, you don't get to determine where my grace goes. Yeah. 
You don't get to determine where my mercy goes. You don't get to direct this cart. This is my cart. This is my grace. This is my mercy seat. This is my blood sprinkling. When you put your hand to it, then it always brings death because, you know, I wanted to guide it where I think, you know, his mercy should go. But his, you know, his his mercies are new every morning and it's to the whosoever will. You know, the most powerful scripture probably is, for God so loved the world, the whole world, mm-hmm. that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. And so the power of a whosoever gospel is the power of an unblemished gospel. But when Uzzah drops dead, trying to guide the ark or the mercy seat, you know, um, then the other guy says, I'll take it home with me, you know. And uh, so, when we try to guide God's grace or God's mercy, it always ends in disaster. Yeah. But when we let the power of the flow of the Holy Spirit move and let God do um, what He wants to do, and I believe He's bringing and establishing a fivefold ministry, you know, a, a hand that's not weathered, that's not crippled, that's not a hand of force or a hand, a strong hand, but it's, you know, it's not a hand that's closed like a backhand or a fist but it's an open yeah, hand. Yeah. It's a hand that can feed. It's a hand that can nurture. It's a hand that can heal, that can minister, whether it's prophetically, apostolically, evangelistically, the pastor, the teacher, yeah. the heart of the people of God that I believe is bringing a ministry healed that can touch every area of our life. Absolutely. And you know, he does that on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Again, almost every miracle he does on the Sabbath, my book called Unforced Rhythms of Grace right. takes a lot of these miracles from a different perspective. It shows how it flows from rest. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I believe God is really raising up a ministry in this hour that's going to flow from rest. And I was thinking even a while ago, we were talking about the man that was born blind, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. They sent him to the pool of Siloam. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct, I think it's in my book. But mm-hmm. that pool was uh, also called Scent. S-E-N-T, which we get our Greek word for apostle from, sent. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I believe God is sending blind people to an apostolic pool. But this apostolic pool is not an old covenant mindset. It's a ministry that's flowing from rest with a revelation of, of, of the new covenant that's not disqualifying people, but qualifying them. And again, that's not to leave people in their brokenness. Right. Jesus doesn't just see he, it. Yeah. He heals it. He heals There's a it. remedy. There's an answer. Yeah. He restores it so that it can be, He offers them the bread of God because the bread is healing. Yeah. Healing is the children's bread and He heals the things that are broken in our lives. And that's what's so powerful. You know, we see God, so many times people see God as a punisher more than a redeemer. Mm-hmm. But He saved us and He's still saving us. We're just about to run out of time again. It just goes by so quickly. Join us again next week for the program. The book is called Unblemished. Go get your copy today. It's on Amazon. You can also get it in a Kindle format. You'll be blessed. Lisa Unger is the pastor, Pastor Lisa Unger. She's the author of the book. You will be blessed. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry to help us stay on the air, uh, just simply call the number on the screen and go to or go to our website or send check or money order to the address that you will see on the screen. Somebody will be standing by. If you don't get an answer, call again. We'd have a limited staff and they will return your call. God bless you. Until next week. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. 
In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.